Megan, I have been using our sponsor Element, that's L-M-N-T, to boost my hydration for over a month now, and I'm really loving it. I'm just not very good at drinking plain water, and I love the taste when I pop one of these little packets, I like orange or grapefruit, into a big bottle of water. It's kind of fruity and salty, and it just helps me hydrate better overall. Element is a zero-sugar electrolyte drink mix born from the growing body of research that shows the best health outcomes occur with higher sodium levels. Each little pack delivers a significant dose of electrolytes, but minus sugar, artificial colors, and other iffy ingredients. Element's flavors are so unique, like fruity watermelon salt and spicy sweet mango chili. And we're going to set our listeners up with a variety pack so you can find your favorite. Right. You can receive a free Element sample pack containing eight flavors with any drink mix purchase when you purchase through our custom link, drinkelement.com slash momhour. That's D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T slash momhour. This offer is available exclusively through our partnership and is available for both new and returning customers. And if you're an Element Insider, you'll have first access to Element Sparkling, a bold can of sparkling electrolyte water. Again, it's drinklmnt.com slash momhour. Hi, I'm Megan. And I'm Sarah. We're two moms with eight kids between us, and we're the hosts of The Mom Hour. On this show, we're joined by a team of unique mom voices from across the country and in different stages of motherhood to bring you tips, ideas, and encouragement, and to help you feel a little less alone. We all know that motherhood is a lot easier when real moms share honest truths and remind each other that it's all going to be okay. We're not experts. We're parents who've been there. We're not perfect. We're real. Welcome to The Mom Hour. Hi, everyone, and welcome to The Mom Hour. I am Megan Francis here with Sarah Powers. Hey, Sarah. Hey, Megan. How are you? Oh, I am really looking forward to today's episode. We're going to be talking about one of my very favorite things, a topic near and dear to my heart, and that is um, starting businesses and specifically dream businesses, which might mean things that we dream about like sort of idly, but never actually plan to take any action on. Or if you're like me, they could be things that we dream about more actively and are always thinking about taking action on and then getting frustrated when like life doesn't line up um, just perfectly for that. I love this because I think even if you don't consider yourself very entrepreneurial, I do think all of us dream of like some creative space or or a, some kind of a pursuit that is outside of the day to day of what we're doing um, or maybe like an offshoot of something we're doing or related to a great experience that we've had or a hobby that we have. And they don't always have to turn into an actual revenue generating business, but it can be fun to dream. Oh, it's so fun. And it's actually really fun to hear about what other people, what kind of businesses they would open because it's it's so unique. It's so different. Were you the kind of kid who was entrepreneurial? Like I have a kid like this who, you know, like, you know, did you have, did you want to operate lemonade stands and dog walking businesses and yes. things as a kid? Yeah. I, yes. In fourth, third or fourth grade, I wrote a newspaper called the 606 Daily, which I tried yeah. to sell. I created my own lottery tickets with silver crayon that I scratched over the back of Garbage Pail Kids cards. Do you remember those? Yes, um, I They do. were like collecting yes. cards. Yeah. Well, they had like a shiny, I think it was maybe like the sticker or something that came with them. There was like okay. a shiny sort of glossy white um, surface. And I would write on like whether you were a winner or not and then scribble over it in silver crayon. 
I sold those. I got busted for that. <laughs> um, I mean, I always was playing store, playing. So I was always playing like work, not necessarily yeah. always a business I ran, but more vaguely that there was some endeavor or some enterprise that I was responsible for. So yes, how about you? No, less so. I mean, I, I certainly remember I did a lot of make-believe and I did, I, I had some creative things, but I think it was less entrepreneurial. I mean, I did a few okay. lemonade stands, but not to the degree, not to the creative degree you're discussing. Well, I still remember that newspaper. I worked really hard on really it. Smart. It was good. I think yeah. I might still have a copy somewhere. So um, I didn't pay a lot of attention in class that year, though. I will oh. say that was a year of me just making stuff, usually like in my lap while the teacher was talking or, oh, no, that was the year the teacher gave us those boxes. Remember, did your, any of your teachers do those where you were you like got to cut the side out of a box and then had a little like nook to hide inside like, during class? No, I don't think so. I think I had two different teachers who did. and. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so you were just like in your own little box fort dreaming up yeah, businesses. And I think the idea was that it would reduce distraction um, and like allow kids to focus on their own work. And so I loved it because I just zoned out and did exactly what I wanted through most of the yeah. class. I think we would put the box down while like the teacher was talking and then pick the box up when we were working. There know. was probably some some education yep. research done about this. There was no Pinterest at the time for that idea yeah. to take off like wildfire, though. That's why yeah. I didn't make it all the yeah. way to California, I guess. <laughs> okay. Well, I love hearing about other people's um, dream business ideas because I think it it does kind of shine a light or open a window on what this looks like for people besides me, who is admittedly very entrepreneurial. And so we got three members of our contributor team, Emily, Joanne, and Jamie to send us their sort of dream business ideas. And I want to listen to them because they're very different, but also very similar um, elements to yeah. each of them. And I just kind of want us to listen and then just share our impressions after listening to them. So let's start first with Emily. My dream, if money and time were no object, is to open a bakery I love to bake and it's one of the activities that I really enjoy doing with my kids. My oldest daughter is seven and she's been baking a lot with me lately and my five and two-year-old love to help as well. So this would be a family and kid-friendly bakery with all of the treats that we love to make and eat. And I would also offer some kids baking classes, and summer camps in the summertime. I would have a kid's play area in a corner and then maybe a coloring station in another corner. And I would love to bring in some kids entertainers to kind of, you know, draw a crowd. So maybe um, a local kids musician that would come in and sing songs and play instruments for the kids and, um, like a toddler music hour type of thing during the day where stay-at-home moms especially could bring their kids and socialize with their friends while their kids are entertained. And nothing like that exists in my town right now. So I think that would be really fun. Okay. Well, I want to hang out in that bakery. All right. Now let's listen um, to Joanne's. My dream business is for someone else. I would love for a good friend or one of my sisters to open up a coffee shop that was attached to a bookstore. Um, I would bring my laptop to work and be a regular. 
and I would chit chat with all the other regulars. Um, I would be able to help out once in a while behind the counter, making lattes and serving up the freshly baked chocolate chip cookies. Um, I would happily recommend books for people and ring them up at the register and chit chat. Um, but I would have, have, I wouldn't have to figure out how to make a profit for which espresso machine to buy. Um, I wouldn't have any of the stress of the actual business, but I would have all of the benefits of, um, being part of a community and getting really good coffee and cookies. Okay. And then this is my personal favorite. This uh, is Jamie. For at least the last five years, I've been driving by this small navy and white craftsman style home that sits right on the main street in my town. Um, it currently houses a local realty company, but every time I drive by in my wildest dreams, I want to buy it and turn it into a tea house, which is sort of funny because I really like tea, but I wouldn't even call myself like a tea enthusiast, let alone some tea entrepreneur who owns her own tea house. Um, but regardless, I am still workshopping names, um, but I imagine serving hot and cold teas year round with options for guests to get a mug of tea, a cold glass, or even flights to learn more about which teas they like and which ones they dislike. Um, but the important part of the space to me is to make it just that, a space, um, not a shop, but a space for people to come study or work, catch up with a friend, read, do their art, um, all with a cup of tea. And I don't want to scale it. I don't want to make it some retail shop with loose leaf teas. I don't want to add a drive through or have people stopping in with their to-go mugs, anything like that. I want it to be a place that people come and enjoy tea in the home and in the moment. Um, I literally just want to make enough money to keep the doors open and keep the lights on and just keep the tea steeping. Um, I'm sure there are eight or 900 reasons why this venture probably wouldn't be successful, but it's still pretty fun to dream about every time I drive by. Okay, Sarah. So what is your, I, I mean, I have some impressions, so I will share mine first um, after listening to these. And of course, my first impression is, my first reaction is, oh my gosh, why aren't you all starting right now? Yes, do <laughs> like, it. I want, I want all of these businesses to exist. Not for me. I'm sure I won't make them, make it to all of them, but because they sound so fun and like so cozy. Um, but besides that, I think it's really interesting that all three of these ideas revolve around food, beverage, community, huh? coziness, and that all three ideas involve a space, like a space yeah. for creativity, a space for reading, a space where you could write or work. And I, I think maybe this is such a communal mom thing because we are often craving that space, like yeah. not only physical space, but mental space, space on the calendar. We just want that as moms. And so, of course, it just totally makes sense that any business idea we cook up um, is going to include some element of that. Yeah. And I would add to that that COVID really deprived um, moms of young children, especially of of 
being out in community with other families. So I would say it's not surprising at all that all three of these ideas involved sort of community coming together. And and maybe they would have had these dreams before COVID, but I think our appreciation is heightened um, because of what we've been through in the last few years. I also just need to shout out Joanne because she said, I don't want to start this business. I want to be like the number one fan of a friend or family member to start this business. And I just just, wants it to exist. Well, and she said she's willing to like get in there and wash dishes and make lattes like and and like be a, um, you know, an on-call barista. So it's not like she doesn't want to get her hands dirty at all. But I related to this so much because I think there is a certain personality type of which I am in this club that when we start fantasizing, it's very hard for us not to go right to the part where we're thinking of all the details, which makes us not very fun fantasizers. Like we're, we need, we need people on the other end of the spectrum. Who's like, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll figure that later. Like Joanne even said, like, I wouldn't know what type of espresso machine to buy. That's like totally something (laughs) I would say. And I think Megan, for you as a dreamer who is literally acting on one of your, you know, business dreams right now with the bookstore up North, like you would just say, well, sure that we'll figure that out, but let's get back to the dreaming part. So I guess shout out to all the Sarah's and Joann's of the world, because as she was talking, I'm like, yes, I, I I make a really good cheerleader or, um, I guess, uh, second in command even to a entrepreneurial dreamer, because I can get infected by the excitement and very much engaged in the vision, but I have a hard time imagining to the point of um, just just imagining. Yeah, well, that makes sense. And I mean, of course, as you were talking, I'm like, well, a great business would be to be the person who comes up with the ideas and then let someone else act. But then that's still having to do, like you can't get away from those details no matter what. Anytime yeah. something becomes a venture and not just something you think about in your head, problems and obstacles come along with it. Even if your idea was literally giving other people ideas, even if your business whole model was that you were going to tell other people what to do somewhere, there's still, there's still bills to pay at some point. There's still bills to pay. But now you are a business owner and how do you feel? I mean, you know, it's not even like you're just dreaming about this. You know how this is day to day. So would you say that the experience of having been a business owner for all these years has made you less inclined to, um, want to start a different thing yourself or more or like, does it, does it make, yeah. Okay. Does it make those obstacles more more navigable? I'm only in this business because of you. I don't mean that in like a self-deprecating way, but like, I, I wouldn't make a very good solo entrepreneur, but you're not doing your dream business alone either. I mean, lots of people have business partners and I think running this business has, shown me that like those are solvable. The details do get solved. Um, so I think it, it does absolutely um, give me more. I also just want to say all three of those recordings, I had so much fun listening to the specificity. I mean, listening to Emily talk about like, there would be one corner for kids to what like paint and another corner for kids to like, I, the fact that there are specific details in these dreams makes me so happy. And that's, that's like what I think this episode is all about is like, there's something very worthy in just sketching that out, even if it never happens. Well, and I think Sarah, you're so right because it's not just that it's worth thinking about. It's that it doesn't have to mean anything. Like it, 
when we're talking about dream businesses, are we really talking about business? I think what we're talking about is our very human desire to create something. And that does not have to be a business with a capital B. Yeah. And it's also like, um, it reminds me of when you're a kid and you set up a dollhouse or you build a Lego world. It's the sort of um, excitement that comes with designing something from scratch, even if it's just for the design, just for the joy of designing. Yeah. It's like um, adult in real life version of Minecraft or something. Mm -hmm. The business edition. Sarah, we both know this time of year can be crazy. So this is a great time to get ahead with no prep, no mess meals from our sponsor, Factor. I love how these meals are ready to eat and delivered right to your door. I mean, you can't beat that convenience, but most importantly, they're seriously delicious. Yeah, Megan, I agree. Our whole family was impressed with the quality and flavor of Factor meals we tried. And it turned out to be a great option for my teenagers when they got home late from a theater practice or came home from school super hungry. There's zero prepping, cooking, or cleaning up. Factor meals just need to be heated for about two minutes and they're ready to go. Yeah. And for any listeners with wellness goals this month, Factor has six menu preferences to support your lifestyle. Whether you're trying to boost your protein, avoiding meat, or simply focusing on well-balanced meals. And you can pause or reschedule deliveries to fit your lifestyle. Make today the day you kickstart a new healthy routine. Head to factormeals.com slash momhour50 and use code momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code momhour50 at factormeals.com slash momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. Okay, Megan. Well, over here at the Mom Hour, we are big fans of our sponsor, Our Place. In fact, you, me, and our team member, Katie, were all comparing notes on our favorite product. Katie was telling us that even though she's packing up to move her family to a new house, she cannot put that mini perfect pot from Our Place into the boxes yet because she's using it like every night. Well, as someone who also has a perfect pot, I got mine as part of their mini home cook duo set. I get it. It's nonstick, which is key, but it also has all these handy features like a steam release lid with a built-in strainer and this nice beechwood spoon that nests on the handle in this perfect little peg. Okay, well, I didn't get this pot, but now I want it. That sounds so great. Our Place's cookware is great to cook with, beautiful to look at, and healthier for us as well. All of Our Place's products are made without PFAS, also known as Forever Chemicals. In addition to their cookware and tableware, Our Place is also making waves with their Wonder Oven, the most stylish all-in-one air fryer and toaster oven. Again, free from the forever chemicals found in many of those air fryers. Listeners, Our Place offers a 100-day trial with free shipping and returns, and we've got a great deal for you. Go to fromourplace.com and enter the code MOMHOUR at checkout to receive 10% off site-wide. That's from our O-U-R place.com code mom hour. While we were listening to Joanne, Emily and Jamie talk, and also while I was just kind of thinking about this topic, um, it occurred to me that most of the dream business ideas, at least that I've ever had, and I'm going to kind of eliminate the ones that you would only do for the money. Like I'm not talking about making like, a rubber widget to hold your toilet seat down because you know the market has an opening for it. And and there are people for whom that's very exciting. Like yeah. the idea that you could that you could um create a product that hasn't been created and that like you would corner the market and solve a need and then make a bunch of money. That is 
for some people, the game, the, the game of doing business is where the fun and joy is. I yeah. just don't think that's what we're talking about today. And I, Agreed. I get the feeling that most people listening probably aren't those people or else we'd have a lot more rich toilet lid widget creators. Um, <laughs> I think that for most of the kind of business dreaming that we're doing, it falls under one of these headers or sometimes two or three of the following headers. And it would be, you want to start this business because you want to do this kind of work. Right. So you want to be an artist. You want to be, um, a midwife. You want to be a, I don't know, a writer, a filmmaker, a chef. Yes. A baker. Like you want to do the thing. So you want to start a business so that you can do the thing right either because you don't want to have a boss or because you think you can do it better than anybody else. Yeah, And then you can turn the thing you love to do into an enterprise. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Um, so that's one. And that's a lot of small business owners are those people. They, they start a business because they love the work. Then there's the business idea that's really centered around a place. Sometimes it's like, I just want to be in a place that I, that feels like X, Y, and Z. Like sometimes it's a specific place I will have. And we were talking, um, on our team the other day about, and I think I asked the question, like, if you, if you were to be a hoarder, what would you hoard? And I was saying for me, business ideas, but also specifically places to do business. I would have a real, if like money was no object, I would really have a, um, I would have a tendency toward hoarding spaces because I'll see a space and think I want to do something here. And you've talked about this too in Santa Barbara. You've got these yeah. cute little spaces. You yeah. don't know what you want to do with them. You yeah. just you feel like the the space itself deserves a, a chance. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Especially if um at least for me if it looks like a place that's been a little bit neglected or you know has a ton of potential. You want to help be, it. <laughs> I want to help it. And I also want it, I want it to be enjoyed. Yeah. And, you know, I just want like people to appreciate it. Um, so sometimes it's like, you just want to be in a place doing cool stuff. It could almost be any business. Yeah. It's like the space itself. Right. Mm -hmm. Is the draw. Um, and I feel like I got some of that out of Jamie's, you know, yeah, like, I mean, she's she had got a very specific, specific house. Specific, yeah. Yeah. And she said she doesn't even consider herself a tea enthusiast. So the T is almost like secondary yeah. to the space. Um, and then there's the third kind. And Sarah, this reminded me of what you were saying, but also what Joanne was saying. And I, I actually, Emily um, kind of fits in that first one. She wants to, she loves to bake. So she wants yeah. to bake, you know? And then this last one is um, you want the place to exist. You want the business to exist for yourself. Yeah. For everybody. For your community. Yeah. Or for your community. And you figure if you don't start it, no one else will. Mm -hmm. But maybe you secretly hope somebody else actually will start it and you can just work there. But I actually think a lot of people wind up running businesses they never really meant to start because they see a need, they want it to exist, and no one else is doing it. Yeah. I can, um, I can fall. I can get a little seduced by this one at times, especially if it's within something I know how to do. And this has definitely happened to me in the uh, blogging, communications, podcasting, digital media, you know, space where I think, oh my gosh, like nobody is doing this correctly. This is my like Enneagram oneness. Like this needs to, someone needs to do this. And I probably know how better than anybody else, but I don't actually, yeah. I don't actually want to. 
I've had that with book ideas too. A couple different yeah. times I've, I've thought, oh, this is a marketable book idea, nonfiction book idea. I can see how I can see the place in the market it would fit. I can see how it would sell, but like, no, I don't want to write it. Right. Well, and I, I think this is a very, it's a very seductive and uh, I'm not going to say dangerous is too dramatic. It's a place I find myself often though, where it's like, if I, if I just started businesses because someone should do it and I know how as well as anybody else or could do a good job at it, I would now own 27 businesses because right. no matter what you're doing, there's always going to be a thing that's needed that often it's a little ahead of the curve. I've noticed yeah. like you're, mm. you'd be a little ahead. And when you're, when you're ahead, you have to work a little harder. It's actually better to be like fourth. Ah, yeah. Good point. <laughs> you know, yeah. because when you're first, you're creating a market for something that nobody knows they want yet. They don't even yeah. know it's the thing they can have. Like yeah. people don't, it doesn't occur to anybody to come find you um, when they don't know what you're doing exists. You have to do all of that work of creating a brand around the idea of what you're doing. Yeah. And I am a classic jump the gunner. Right. Um, getting into stuff like before anyone cares. And then I have to remind myself, like, do I want this badly enough to be 10th in line? If I don't, then it was never about the thing. It was about my kind of my ego, honestly. Well, yes, there, there's that. I think this also I see this happen with um, nonprofit or like uh, not charitables, the, like philanthropy and nonprofit work and volunteering as well. Like there is like, oh, nobody's doing this. This should be done. And then pretty soon you've taken on a, a big volunteer job or yeah. started a small nonprofit, which we know are very, very, like you said, really hard to get off the ground and to get traction. Um, yeah. But I think that happens a lot with that, too. You see a hole in the in the market, so to speak, or a need yeah. in the community. Um, and it feels like, yes, maybe it is a little bit of ego. Like, I am the one to solve this problem. Yes. Well, and I think the ego can work if you're committed enough to the vision to see it through that, the, the part where you have to convince the whole world that it yes. needs to happen. I think yeah. for me, and we're going to talk in a minute here about our, our personal dream businesses. Um, but I think for me, the ones I've rejected along the way, the ones that have never, like they've just immediately wound up on the cutting room floor, or maybe I thought about them for half a minute and then I don't do them is because I realized I'm not in this thing for the long haul. Yeah. I, for example, starting a podcast advertising agency, which was something you and I talked about when it comes to things that are more like at the time, at least now they're a dime a dozen, but like at the time it was like, no yeah. one's really doing this the way that we wanted to do it. But I think neither one of us really wanted to do it enough. That's where right. it like fell apart. Had we wanted to, our ego probably would have carried us through because we would have yeah. been right that we were well positioned to do it. Right. But we just didn't want to. <laughs> Yeah. It turns out there's a finite amount of time and resources too. Yes. Like that's very true. Yeah. 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 Well, let's talk about um some of our dream businesses. And and I guess before we start, Sarah, I wanna I wanna just say that like when my kids were really little, the ideas that I had, I've had business ideas, like we said, since I was a kid. Mm -hmm. Um, but particularly since my kids were little, I think my entrepreneurial bent really came out in um, the strongest when I had like small children and realized that I really wanted to work, but that I really wasn't keen on like a nine to five working life at all. A eh? like, that's just not my jam. Never has yeah. been. 
it was tolerable before I had kids. But then after I had kids, it became less tolerable. I did not want to give up that many hours a day to be on somebody else's watch outside of my home after having kids. You know what I mean? Like I would rather run things myself. And that's when I, that really became very clear to me, but the ideas have evolved, but the heart of them is still present. So I've been thinking about something revolving around creativity and a space where other people gather since I was 20. I love um, that. It just looks really different now. And it's not unique because everybody else we talked to today, yeah. all three of the contributors had the same bones yeah. for their dream businesses. So I will just, I'll mention one and we could just go back and forth. And then I want to talk about for me, the one that's actually happening. So yeah, I'll I was like, with, I, yeah. <laughs> I feel like that one deserves a bit more, uh, breathing room. Like if people I'll save that one for the end, I'll save okay. that one for the okay. last. Okay. Um, but I will say that when I was like 20, my original OG business idea was some kind of like, it started off as a creative space for, um, I think at the time I was thinking like artsy people, Okay, it would be, you know, theater people, or if you wanted to have, um, a little gallery or something like that. And then it kind of morphed as I started doing more and more writing, it morphed into, um, creative space for writers. And then as I started really getting into digital work, it morphed into a creative space for workers. I think that elements of this will always be with me, but probably like linking it up with some other commerce um, generating, like revenue generating idea is probably where I'll land with this in real life business. Okay. So with the words you just said, I'm picturing like a co-working space that also has collaboration kind of worked into it. Is that what you mean? Yeah. And like where there could be classes or workshops or performance space, things like that. Like that was kind of my original idea before co-working spaces were really a thing. Nobody was talking about co-working spaces then. I think it would have been more like an artist um, commune really, or like a co-op of some Uh sort. And I think that when we get around to talking about the idea that is moving forward, and, and I just want to point out that although I've been entrepreneurial my whole life. I've never had an in-person business until now, the one we're working on right now. I've never had a business that sold a brick and mortar. You know, I've never really even had a business. Well, no, I take that back. I had a natural baby goods online store (laughs) in 1999. Okay. So again, ahead uh, of the curve. uh, Very ahead of the curve. On both the the, um, Uh, delivery method. And every, although it was the early day of, days of stamps.com. And I do remember I got $50 in free postage for signing up. So that got me through my first couple of orders. But anyway, um, but it was actually a thing. Like I had orders and it, it was a thing that I did. Um, but that's the only physical goods I've ever sold. And I've never had a space. So yeah. Um, yeah. So anyway, that whole that whole sort of creative space thing will become part of anything I do in the future. It probably just won't be the the only focus of it, if that makes sense. Well, and it also makes sense why you look at buildings and, and actual uh, available spaces for rent, because it, it, it would be so seductive to look at how, yeah. how one could be converted um, yes. Yes. into that kind of really collaborative space. That's cool. Um, well, the first one I thought of, and I'm, you know, bear with me, because this is, doesn't come naturally to me, um, but I think it would be 
really fun to be a very involved, high touch. I'm going to say travel agent, but that's actually kind of the wrong uh, moniker, but like a curator of very specific travel experiences. Um, I would love. So let's say my expertise was seeing theater in New York, going to Broadway or going to the Cotswolds in England. I mean, in this fantasy, like I have the knowledge to do this. I would love to create and curate very specific experience based on people's interests and then just have the joy of people enjoying those things that I love, travel, theater, um, restaurants, hotels, all of that. So I really like certain aspects of travel planning. And I really, really like when other people can love what I love. So when people come to Santa Barbara and I pick out places for them to go, like based on all the nitty gritty details, like, oh, there's traffic that time of day. So you want to like avoid that. And this like using insider knowledge to make somebody else's experience perfect. So this is really perfect for your skills and (laughs) um, preferences and talents. Um, I'm curious, do you think that you would want to be like, would you want to dial down? What would give you more satisfaction? Dialing down and being like the most knowledgeable person about one very specific thing or really pretty knowledgeable about like five? I think pretty knowledgeable about like five because I think it would keep it I'd be able to keep learning and keep refining and keep getting better. Um, And I do have different types of interests and different skill levels. So I think that would be really fun. Um, I also love that this is kind of a one-to-one thing. Yeah. I really like that Um, because it feels, and I'm not saying my wheels are already turning, of course, because I want (laughs) to make this business happen for you, Sarah, but because I think it could be whatever you want it to be. There's almost no pressure. You could do it for like one lucky client a year. Or you could have a full docket. It would be completely up to you. And there's no worries about scale. Like scaling is not on the, it's not the goal. So, yeah. And I I also think like it, um, I don't dread or have problems with the things a lot of people do dread about travel planning. Like I have no problem making phone calls, for example, Um, getting on the phone, troubleshooting, getting to the bottom of like nothing, nothing drives me more crazy than when like you don't have the right information online or the information on the website is different from what they told you over here. That to me is like a challenge. Like I'm going to find out what time this bar really does open and whether or not they serve food. Like that feels like, oh, just try to make that hard for me to figure out. I will figure it out. So I feel like those skill sets would lend themselves really well and provide a very marketable service to people who have no interest in that kind of thing. It's funny because I, I will go through a lot, a lot of gymnastics to not have to make that phone call. Um, but I've been in groups before where like, I'm the most willing to make the call. Like nobody really wants to, but it's kind of like having a superpower. Yeah. Because yeah. other people don't want to so much that it's like they'll buy you dinner. Right. Just so you can make yes, a phone just call. That. Yes. And, I, and we've <laughs> talked about this before, but I do really well when I'm either completely in charge or not at all in charge. I have trouble yeah. in the middle. So this would be a situation where I'd get to quote unquote be in charge, but not, but then like let people benefit from that. So, yeah. 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 Well, um, this next one is a newer thing for me, but it kind of fits into this bigger picture. Um, and it's a thing that at first I thought would be a separate 
venture. And now I'm realizing that all of my ideas kind of fit together, but it's, you know, I got chickens. I really kind of want to get goats. And I was actually thinking about maybe getting some alpaca at some point because they're so cute. And anyway, I won't get into alpaca and why I want alpaca, but um, I thought it would be really fun to have sort of like a little working hobby farm, but that the point isn't that I'm, you know, selling like goat's milk soap. I don't even necessarily want to have to milk a goat. Um, I'm not selling a farm product. I'm creating an experience for people to come be there. Yeah. So maybe there's tea parties or maybe a silent retreat yeah. and you can go frolic with the alpacas while you're not talking to anybody. Um, maybe it becomes part of the creative space for writers. Maybe yeah. like the, I can see it working in a lot of ways. It's a very different business model because, because animals, <laughs> livestock yeah. are yeah. expensive and a liability and a lot of work and how bad I do I want it? I don't know. I will say it's the kind of thing that keeps coming back to me. Yeah. Like a lot, which means I shouldn't ignore it. And I should just let myself sit with it for now. Well, it doesn't and, also mean that I can do it now. It might be 10 years. Yeah. But, and yeah. the cool thing is if you have land and you have sort of in the last few years developed a um, affinity toward land ownership, like you have bought a couple of larger pieces of property or a couple of pieces of property. If you have that space and it is at least self-sustaining, like you're paying the mortgage or you own it, then coming up with what to do for retreats or events might just be like letting the universe, like let something, letting something fall into your lap. Like now someone you've created this. It's like, if you build it, they will come right from That's, that movie. I kind of, how I keep thinking about it. Like I'm not as concerned with details as maybe somebody with more of that personality type, like, like you are, you know, like yeah. with trying to figure everything out ahead of time. At the same time, I do often put a lot of pressure on myself to have a fully formed, big, grand master plan before I start taking action. Like sometimes I need, I feel like I need to see the whole big picture yeah. kind of come together and how all the elements will work together. And then I feel like I have license to actually start working on it. And, and then after I sit with it for a while, I realize that actually the way it works is you just take action. I have one party, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I get one alpaca. Well, I think they like pears. I get two alpaca <laughs> and then I invite some friends over and they see the alpaca and then they go tell their friends. And then yeah. next thing you know, people want to come there and pay me money. Like that's how I think those kinds of things happen. Yes. I feel like right now um, with all the traveling I'm doing, it might not be the right time, but I also have to remind myself like you and I talk about all the time. I'm not the only person who can do these things. I'm not the only person who can, you know, feed the alpaca. Yeah. Um, it's all of these things are figure outable and some of these larger visions, I'm going to have to think bigger than myself. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. True. We are welcoming back Vionic as a sponsor today. And Sarah, I will be honest. I was sorting through my warmer weather wardrobe the other day and it could seriously use a refresh, but you know, what's good to go. My shoes. I've got a great selection to choose from thanks to the Vionic Vitals collection. And lately the pair I keep putting on again and again is the Uptown Loafer. I have two pairs, one in sand suede and the other in camel leather, but please don't make me pick a favorite. Oh, I won't. I'll let you keep both. That's so funny, Megan, because I was a little jealous of your Uptown Loafers. I was the last one on our team to get a pair, but I just did. I also got mine in the sand suede and I think I've worn them like four times this week. They really finish off a cute spring outfit. 
The Bionic Vitals collection has the best essential styles for everyday wear to get you ready for spring. And no matter what shoes you choose, you'll be on the go in comfort because every single pair of Bionic shoes delivers their trademark Viomotion technology for a difference you can feel. Bionic sandals, sneakers, and flats all offer incredible support, stability, and cushioning, and every pair comes with a 30-day risk-free trial, so it's easy to try them out. Use code THEMOMHOUR15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order at bionicshoes.com when you log into your account. That's a one-time use only. Bionic Shoes, wearable well-being for your feet. Sarah, our sponsor, Haya Health, makes a kid's daily multivitamin that parents can feel great about giving their kids because they have no added sugars or dyes. And our kids who have tried Haya Vitamins have loved them, which is important, right? Because what good is a bottle of vitamins that your kid won't take? Haya was founded by two dads who didn't like the ingredients label on some of the popular children's vitamins they were seeing on store shelves, so they got to work developing a formula that would help fill the most common nutrient gaps in modern kids' diets. Haya's Chewable Kids Vitamin is made with a blend of 12 organic fruits and vegetables and then supercharged with 15 essential vitamins and minerals. They're also vegan, dairy-free, allergy-free, gelatin-free, and nut-free. Haya manufactures their vitamins right here in the USA with globally sourced ingredients, and then they ship their chewable vitamins directly to your door on a pediatrician-recommended schedule. We've worked out a special deal with Haya for their best-selling children's vitamin. You're going to get 50% off your first order. To claim this deal, go to HayaHealth.com slash MomHour. This deal is not available on their regular website. Go to H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H.com slash MomHour and get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults. Well, here's one that fits directly into when Joanne left her message saying (laughs) she wants to be the helper, the cheerleader, not the actual business owner. So this is a business idea for people like that who don't want to start their own businesses, but it is a business. So stay with me. Um, (laughs) I feel like my brain just exploded. Okay. Well, this is a business idea, but it's really a business idea that helps other entrepreneurs. So I feel like I know just enough to be dangerous when it comes to things like branding, marketing, social media, having a business plan. Um, certainly website and communications, um, that I think it would be really fun to have like a very small, again, back to that kind of one-on-one, not scalable, um, consultancy for folks who have a, have a great business idea, but no knowledge or desire in those things I mentioned, um, design, branding, marketing, communications. I myself am not, um, a, an amazing graphic designer, but you know, as you and I have discussed, like we know enough to be dangerous. We certainly know other people. And I think it would be really fun to help somebody. Let's say somebody wanted to open like a childcare business or um, like a woodworking shop and somebody who had literally barely ever been on the internet. I see this all the time. I see people set up their website or their Instagrams and you're like, oh, honey, like you are probably so good at the thing that you're doing. Right. But you need somebody to help you with a lot of the other stuff. And I feel Find like another font besides comic sans. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And like when you were, you were giving me a little behind the scenes on some of the bookstore stuff, like I get so excited about new startup business branding. And what do you even call that? Like it's, I, I keep saying communications, but it's really like, it's all of the ways you present yourself to the world. Like brand identity. I mean, yeah. I think that that's where mm-hmm. that falls. Yeah. 
I think- well, this makes me yeah. very excited, Sarah, because I've often thought I'm starting us a new business right now because <laughs> I've often thought that I would be great at starting a business that helps people think really big or shake yeah. things up. Like to, to just ask yes, some questions like, why, why not? You would. Well, why yeah. do you think that? But then I don't want to do all that other stuff. So I could hand them off to you. And then, or if they came to you, but they were stuck because their idea needed some, like their big vision needed some work, kick them back right. to me. Yes. Well, there we go. Do it. We can, 20, you're, you're stuck with me forever. 2028. Coming 2028. You're, you're never getting out of this partnership, Sarah. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> well, I also am, am just interested. I think it's interesting that both of your business ideas so far have been things you could literally do from anywhere. And they are one-on-one. I just find that interesting. Yeah, like because one I think client that you at a time are, or a couple yeah, clients at a time. Yeah. You, because with what we do now, it's one to many, right? Yeah. And um, and I think that you're really good in communities and leading lots of people. And maybe this just maybe this just um shows some desire you have for s- simpler, like a simpler structure or more relationship building, or maybe it's just because it's different. Yeah. If you want to yeah. self-analyze yourself, go ahead. Yeah, I don't I don't know. Um, but I do think there's like there's satisfaction in the high degree, the going deep and detailed. Um, yeah. not that I don't do that in our current business, but you're right. The number of customers, quote unquote, is very different yeah. than what we do now. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, here's um here's another one that I think that I have wanted to be since third grade when I started the 606 Daily. <laughs> and that is a publishing company. I have dabbled in many, many ways. I, we are, I mean, really, we are a digital media company now, but I think that specifically written, um, physical products were where I started and what my strong desire to do things myself and be in charge mixed with like the creative impulse mixed with the, um, my, my desire to consume, like my, I guess just enthusiasm for magazines and books and things like that. All of those things, I think kind of go together to where some kind of a publishing company makes sense. And I think it's interesting that I've dabbled in other things, but keep coming back. Like I've, I thought, well, maybe for a while, um, maybe I could have like a copywriting marketing agency and I play around with that. And then I always come back to the conclusion that like marketing is fun and it's a necessary thing when you are promoting something but sure. it's not really my thing. It's like a thing I can do adequately. Yeah. Um, and it's a thing I can, I can help connect people with the right resources for it, but it's not truly like the thing that keeps calling me back to the computer every day. Yeah. Um, it's, it's something different that I want to create. Uh-huh. That's not that, you know? So yeah. Um, but again, this is something I could see coming true in conjunction with all these other things. And honestly, I have been in the business of publishing now for Almost yeah. Years. Yeah. It's just it hasn't quite looked the way I imagined it when I was seven. Yeah. Or eight. <laughs> okay. So I think we should feel proud of me that I came up with two. Megan, two dream businesses is more than I thought I was going to be able to come up with for this episode. And now you have to do them both because I know them yeah, now. Because you like so, them. Yay. Yes, I love them. Mm-hmm. Um. So I have a third, but I realized. So this was an actual idea I had recently when I was in out in my actual town. And it squarely falls under the category we talked about where there is a need for this. It's a good idea, 
someone should do it. And I, I got, I did that mental, like I got to that place within about 15 minutes of having the idea. So I'll tell you about it, but then I'm pretty much telling you, I don't think I would want to do this. So I saw a little rental space open in my little smaller village adjacent to Santa Barbara. And I was like, I wonder how much rent is here. I wonder what is going to go in there. And I started thinking about podcast recording. And then I started thinking about the number of um, affluent, older, and very interesting people who live in the area where I live. There's a lot of storytellers. There's a lot of writers and professors and Hollywood types. And there's a lot of very old people where I live. And I thought there is such a need for someone to make it really easy for those people. They all want to write their memoir. Some of them are probably even capable of writing a memoir because they come from a storytelling background or they're very educated or whatever. Um, Audiobooks and podcasts are so um, everywhere now that if there was a way for these, let's say you were 75, 80 years old and you kind of had been dabbling in writing some of your stories or like that, you know, like story worth, like the sponsor we've worked with this, this very human desire to write down your life, write down your stories. And I was like, what if there was a way for those people to go into a studio, someone to hold their hand on all the technology and read that stuff out loud and make basically like an audiobook or a podcast just for their friends and family, or maybe of the, maybe some of them who do have more of like, who do come from that world of publishing and Hollywood and all that. Maybe they want to actually make a little podcast or a little audiobook, or maybe they have self-published a book and they want to make the audiobook. And I was like, well, I know everything about DIY recording and I know sound engineers. And wouldn't it be fun to have like a little space where people, they didn't, they wouldn't have to be elderly, by the way. It could be anyone, but I'm thinking about the types of people who wouldn't otherwise know how to do a project like this. The tech would be overwhelming. And then I was like, you could even do house calls and go to their ginormous mansion and hold their hand and teach them how to speak into a microphone and let them leave that audio legacy and not have the technology be a barrier. And I was like, that's a really good idea. Nobody's doing that. And I don't want to do it. So then I, it's like, it's like the audio book version of a, like a vanity publisher. Yeah. Or, you know, like a yeah. and vanity publishing has a terrible, that's a terrible name, but it just makes basically means self-publishing. You're not going to go track down a, a publisher for your memoir about growing up in, you know, Santa Barbara or whatever yeah. necessarily. Um, you just want it documented. Yes. And this is like taking that into the audio space. I, I love this idea and it would work very well inside my creative space. Yeah. With or without alpaca. Yeah. <laughs> that I may or may not be creating in the next, you know, one to 10 years. Yeah. So <laughs> um, I want someone to do this. And I also think it's the kind of thing that once it starts to, this idea in particular is the kind of idea that once it starts to spiral or snowball can start to feel really overwhelming and unwieldy very fast. Yeah. But really, it's a very simple concept that could yeah. start very simply. Well, somebody, somebody could, should do it. I don't think it's it's going to be me. I don't think so. I mean, not right right now. Yeah. There's too many. Yeah. Well, there's always, it's not going to happen. And there's always, it's not going to happen right now. And those are just, just a reminder, two different statements. Yes. And exactly. And this is a type of business where you and I have gone through this in our own business. It's like, okay, is this a studio with tech? Right. 
that rents by the hour. That's sort of like the simplest version. Yeah. Or is this a creative Consult- partner a consultancy, consultancy. Yes, yes, that helps people bring their creative idea to life. That's a very different thing. And I kind of got, I kind of went down multiple rabbit holes for, again, for 15 minutes. And then I was like, yeah, also this rent is probably really expensive. Well, based on your first two ideas, I feel like, you know, whatever business you would maybe start might be more of that consultancy. It feels like that's where you're being drawn. Um, Even if it was just something you did like as a little side fun thing, fun project. Um, I, I do want to share about the business in my life that is actually unfolding, but before we do, I just want to, um, I want to just mention that I'm reading the book, big magic by Elizabeth Gilbert. And I know you've read it and liked it and I'm really enjoying it. And, um, one of the things she talks, like she believes that ideas, it sounds very woo woo, but I believe this, that ideas are kind of out there in the ether and that they come to they're looking for a willing human participant. Mm-hmm. And if they don't find one, they move on to the next person. And I just want to point out that almost none of the ideas we talked about today are unique. I'm right. even going to say none because even your idea for the podcasting, while that's not being done specifically that way, the idea of recording people's stories is not yeah. new. No, you know, and like someone probably is doing someone this. out yeah. there probably, yes, yeah. is doing it. Maybe just not where you are. I I think we get so hung up on wanting ideas that are super unique or being afraid to put our ideas out there because we are afraid they'll be stolen. And I have, I mean, I think that was something I just naturally was never really just never wanted to waste time on. It's not, I would rather share my ideas and get, um, like excitement and momentum around them than to hoard them in a box and be afraid someone's going to steal them because ideas don't mean anything. Yeah. All that matters is how you execute. What makes something unique is you is like what you bring to it. And I'm loving now reading this book and finding how many of the things I sort of already just felt about creativity and ventures in the creative space, um, are being like kind of reflected back to me in this book, but in more, (laughs) more articulated words than I've them into. And yeah, like you don't have to have a super unique business idea. Um, baked goods, coffee, tea, yeah, books, books. Yes. um, farm animals. <laughs> uh, none of those are new. They've yeah. been around for a really long time. Yep. So, yep. and even podcasts before a podcast, there was radio. So yep. before radio, there was talking. Yep. <laughs> so, um, but yes, let me share about the business idea that is happening up, up North and I've, I've teased it. Um, it's a bookstore that will be um, owned by four partners, my sister, Catherine, and her husband, Eric, and then my Eric and me, but also it will be part of a bigger business that will include a market, a coffee and tea, um, like a little cafe, possibly at some point, a wine bar. Like we're playing around with what the bigger business might be, but there's a space, I think there's about 5,000 square feet to fill. Right. And we're not going to do that with just a bookstore. So So you bought... (laughs) a building in this town and the bookstore is the first brick and mortar business going into this larger building. The bookstore was the original idea. Uh Um, The building you got was too big. Is that how the building we bought, we got was too big. And when we looked at, we looked at available spaces, everything about this place was perfect. The price was low. Um, Eric felt my Eric as the trades guy and he felt like he could work with it and make it. I mean, it was a paneled nightmare you know, like a 1982 
Um, it looks like a time capsule in there. But he felt he could work with it. And we all just kind of were like, let's think about it. And then separately, one person from each of the couples kind of had this idea of having some kind of a market. The, the, the ideas were a little different, uh-huh. but we kind of sh- we went to bed and slept on it. And we met up in the morning for breakfast. And Eric and Ka- my Eric and Kathleen both were like, so I had this crazy thought. And oh, I love that. Um, we it ended up going me, forward. Like, shivers. Yeah, like, yeah. I know, right? And then we ended up going forward with the building. And then once we had the building, it was like, okay, now what do we do? So the bookstore is the first business that will be opened. But we think that once the space, because now it's just now that all the paneling's down, I mean, we did find brick, we found wood floors, like it's all, it's all panning out the way we'd hoped. Um, now that there's just this big open space, once the bookstore is up, the next thing will come along pretty fast, whatever that's yeah. going to look like. And it's all just coming together now. So um, all of these things besides the barn animals could yeah. happen in this space. There's we're looking at co-working space. We're looking at creative, um, like a, a creative community in there. We're looking at having beverages and baked goods. Like all of the things people want could kind of happen in one place, which we're really excited about. But I, like I said, I've never done a physical business like this before. Did you, um, so you, this is a four person enterprise. And I'm wondering yeah. if your previous entrepreneurial dreams, when you dr- concoct business ideas, it's not usually with three other people, right? Is that no, a surprise? No. Is it a plot twist? Is it, um, I would imagine parts of it would be more fun and then parts of it more stress. Yes. Um, I never, no, I've never thought that way. I've always thought of myself as a solo person. I think that as I've gotten wiser and older and I realize that I can't solely do all of the things that I want to do. Like, like I was saying earlier, there are people, whether they're people you hire or people you partner with, um, for me to actually move on all these ideas that I have, or even half of them, or even the 10th of them, like really requires me to lean on other people, which means letting go of a little bit of the way I would do things and wanting to be the boss. And that's, uh, that's, um, that's sometimes, it's interesting. It's like a relief because you have more people to spread around the workload and then it's stressful because you have yeah. more people to spread around the decision-making. So yeah. both it's new to me. I was not part of, I did not ever see myself as like a four, you know, wanting to be in a four person partnership, right? Maybe a partnership with like a romantic partner. Cause I, I romanticize, um, that sort of like getting in it together thing, sure. but not with a bigger group than that. Yeah. But like you said, you wouldn't have been able to buy a building by yourself. So exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't I wouldn't have gotten this building because there's no way I would not be able to do the work that's being done in this building. And I can't go work in this business right now. Catherine and Eric can do that, but I can't. So like there's a lot of it wouldn't happen if this would have been one of those ideas that would have floated into my brain. And then been backburnered indefinitely, if yeah. not for the fact that there were other people willing to jump on. Yeah. So and I'm that, very grateful what, to that. That's what to I them meant. for that. Like, yeah. Y- yes. You'd be able to buy a building if that was the only goal. But there are so many pieces of this yes. that wouldn't be this possible. particular idea. Yeah. And I have to remind myself of that. Actually, the the, um, you know, the alpacas and chickens and goats idea that I have. It's not that different from what we're actually doing up north. It, it like it's it's 
it's a different focus, um, but there would be some retail goods sold and there would be events happening and it would just be in a different kind of location. But the basic model of like having a cool space people want to come to and spend their money is mm-hmm. similar. And what I have to remind myself when I get all stressed out about how, because I'm living right now in a commercial property, really, like my house is zoned commercial and the shop building is big and zoned commercial. Nothing would stop me from starting something tomorrow if I really wanted to, except my own feelings of limitation around what I can pull off. Well, that's because I always think it's just going to be me. And that's not how that's not how it has to be. There's ways I could partner with someone locally or find help if I want to. So, yeah, yeah. exciting. Very exciting. Um, well, I want to thank our contributors who left yes. those voicemails that started such a good conversation. And Megan, I know there are some people who want to follow along at every step yes. of this. So Instagram is the way it's the one and only way kind of right. Yeah. Just go to at paper mill books on Instagram. That's the bookstore. Um, we've also got an Instagram for the market idea. And I believe it's at the mill Manistique. It's M-A-N-I-S. T-I-Q-U-E, Manistique. That's the name of the town we'll be in in Michigan's Upper Peninsula. But we're not doing as much activity on that page yet because we just don't know what we're doing yet. Yeah. Like it's really just, it's being slowly birthed, gestated right now. Um, so that there'll be more there, but Paper Mill Books is the place to look. And you can even support our store by shopping our bookshop link, which I guess we could throw in the show notes. Yeah, we can throw that in the show notes. And then if if people follow you personally on Instagram, you've done. I've been sharing stuff. There yeah, too. as yep. much as you can, because you're not physically there all the time. But you got people, you got people up there. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's been really fun to watch people follow along that are just, you know, never going to stop into the physical store, probably, but are excited about the journey. And I think it is, you know, this is the kind of thing people will say, starting a bookstore has always been my dream. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, and there's an episode of Mother of Reinvention that we should also link that where my sister and I talk about it, because for her, this is a huge leap. Like she's going from being a state employee living in the same town for 30 years to jumping on board my crazy dream and moving and going to like a bookstore ownership. So it's like a very it's there's a lot of different reinvention stories happening here and people doing cool stuff and like really stepping outside their comfort zones. And I, I love it. I love the whole thing. I love it. So too. I'm happy to be witness. Well, this was fun. We will be back on Tuesday with another brand new episode and I will hopefully have all of my voice that I day for you. <laughs> we'll talk to everybody soon. Talk to you then. Thanks for listening to the mom hour. Everything we talked about in today's episode is available at themomhour.com. And Hey, while you're there, you can find more than 500 podcast episodes, plus articles, playlists, and resources about motherhood and parenting at every stage. And if you like today's episode, we'd love it. If you would take a minute to share the show with another mom in your life, you can also find us on Instagram at the mom hour chatting and interacting with listeners between episodes. Thanks for being here, friends. We'll talk to you soon. The Mom Hour is supported by partners like Erica. Erica is the social media health app for teens that gives them the tools to unplug when they need to for improved health, study focus, sleep, and daily balance. Erica was built by a dad of three boys who saw that teens themselves were really becoming self-aware to the risks of social media, and he wanted to help them self-regulate. Erica works to hide distracting apps from your phone at the touch of a button, keeping them out of sight and out of mind without deleting your data. Tell your teens about Erica and save 20% on the Erica family plan with promo code TheMomHour. Go to Erica.app and search for plans. That's Erica with a K. 
E-R-I-K-A dot A-P-P and use code TheMomHour to save 20%. Sarah, I started a Substack last spring just kind of as an experiment, and it turns out I love it. I'm treating it kind of like an old school blog, writing about things that are happening in my life. Megan, I've loved following your stuff on Substack, and I actually just really like Substack in general. You know, we've both been a lot less active on Instagram lately, and I'm finding that Substack scratches that itch to connect and create without all the busyness of a typical social media feed. So I would love it if Mom Hour listeners wanted to look me up there. I'm at meganfrancis.substack.com, and that's Megan with two A's, M-E-A-G-A-N francis.substack.com. 